Oh my goodness, is it wonderful to be back with you guys. To be up in the front and to hear you guys singing. I mean, as we go through the word today, it really speaks to my heart. I am really convinced that church is a special, special place. That when God's people are together, something powerful, something significant, something awesome happens. Our meeting together is not like any other meetings in the world. And you're going to hear why. And I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer before I preach because I understand that I upset some people last Sunday. And I have to be okay with that. But I want to say there are many reasons, if you're watching us online, there are many reasons why you maybe haven't come back yet. But I want to say to you, if I've made you angry, ask God about it. Because God doesn't stir up anger other than righteous anger, which I'm convinced only Jesus could have righteous anger. I think this side of heaven, if I'm angry, it's not from God. And maybe God's trying to speak to you. But again, there's lots of reasons why you're not here. And if you're angry for all sorts of other governmental intrusions or worries or conspiracies, please talk to God about it. He wants to speak to you. He wants to calm your soul. He wants to make you feel his presence and his peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into the word today, I am so thrilled. Oh God, I get to preach to people instead of to a camera. And I've got a good imagination, imagining people behind the camera, but there's nothing like God's people being together. There is something powerful, something special. And oh God, I know I'm maybe in a little bit of an emotional state because of my wife losing her dad, but I was so emotionally moved this morning. And my eyes are still wet to be in your presence with your people. It is so powerful. So come, Holy Spirit, open up your word to us. And let us have that sweet communion with you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now I wanted to get a little bit out. You probably noticed there is no offering and there are plates somewhere. I didn't even get to see where they were, out in the atrium, I think. And uh, there are some giving stations there. But most of you have gotten really good at giving online. But it does take away, I mean, uh, offering is a little bit of a worship thing. <laughs> when you're saying to God, I give back to you what you've blessed me with. And uh, if you're missing that, I am so sorry, but maybe you could like go onto your phone as you're giving and stop and pray and, you know, hand your phone to God or something. But uh, this is weird times. And a lot of the way you're sitting right now isn't necessarily our idea and thoughts. It's what the government has asked us to do. And just to say to you that uh, I used to hate motorbike helmets. And after three years ago, when I landed on my head off of a motorbike, I suddenly went, okay, maybe it was good that I was wearing one. And uh, we, we, aren't, we aren't going to be afraid. We're full of faith, but we're not going to be risk takers that are going to do unnecessarily risk. We're not going to uh, throw ourselves off the top of a temple just to prove that God can protect us. And we are not going to tempt God. 
And we're not going to do that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, all those disclaimers, all that kind of stuff. Now, as I mentioned, my wife's dad passed away on Friday night about 2 in the morning, 1, 2 in the morning. Uh, so I haven't had a lot of sleep. Friday night got kind of wrecked. Uh, last night, I was just getting to sleep. And then the 4th of July fireworks went off. Ours got postponed, I know, but all the Americans on the inside were smiling, right? Ramona and Brad and a few others of you uh, just smiling on it. You're just going, yes, 4th of July. And I got woken up. My dog didn't like it too much either. He was a little freaked out. And then I don't know if somebody was lit on fire by fireworks, but sirens started and my dog started howling in the bed at about midnight. And it was just like, oh my goodness, like what's this night going to be? And then I woke up at 6 a.m. Again, lots on my mind. But my father-in-law, I've talked about him a little bit in my life, but I, I don't want to garner sympathy. That's not my point. But uh, he's been on my mind. And, of course, because he's family, I know a little bit of his extended family history. Now, Carolyn's dad, his name was Peter Harder, and uh, he was a man who passionately loved Jesus and his church. And it's really interesting as I pondered that in regards to today's message. He had a bunch of siblings, and he was Mennonite, so I even lost track how many there were. They were a small family. I think there was only six or seven of them. And, uh, but my, my father-in-law, he was one who got saved early along with most of his siblings. And I believe two of his siblings kept loving Jesus through their life. But none of them went to church anymore except for my father-in-law. He was the only one. And my father-in-law was one of those ones that we loved to disparage us young bucks. And we would say, he was there when the lights were turned on. He neglected his family just to be at the church. Well, my father-in-law didn't. He loved his kids. But I have noticed that all of my wife's dad's siblings' children... Just little anecdotal evidence here. None of them are following the Lord. Didn't matter that mom and dad loved Jesus. And I want to argue with you today, and I will argue, that I know the church is messy sometimes. I know that we have soul wounds that uh, hurt each other because of we, we have paranoia, we have fear, we have fear of control, we have fear, all sorts of things. We're, we have fear of a preacher that's too loud. I could talk nice and quiet if you like because you have some soul wound. But I want to tell you that as I've watched over the years, those that love Jesus and love the church... Notice I put those both there, because sometimes people love the church and not Jesus. It's religion to them. But those that love Jesus and love the church, there is a huge difference in their lives. And my father-in-law had that legacy. All four of his children, my wife, her sister, and two brothers, they all love the church and attend church to this day, and the grandchildren. All of them attend church. And they all love Jesus. I want to go through a little bit just exactly what the church is. And by the way, this coming together that we do, I could probably preach it for two years. And I had to kind of narrow it down just to a few scriptures because of time this morning. By the way, we are trying to keep the service under an hour because we've had to modify our children's ministry. We have up to 50 kids in a room or in an area. 
and uh, we're not making them sit on mats for the whole hour. But, you know, we've had to take away a lot of the toys and different things, and we've got to have lots of sanitation and lots of carefulness. So because of that, Jennifer begged us at staff, can you please keep the service short? So I keep wasting time. I've got to keep going. Let's keep going. My wife and I, when we used to go visit mom and dad, we often, there was one house they lived in where the spare room was underneath their bedroom, and, you know, you'd just be getting to sleep. My wife's dad had a very deep voice, and I could hear his voice. And I remember turning over to my wife saying, what, what is he doing? Like, are they just talking? And my wife looks at me, and she goes, no, they're praying. She said they've always prayed as they went to bed as a husband and wife. I mean, it's just incredible, the legacy that my wife had in her dad. is just so cool. And he, he just loved the church as much as Jesus Uh, He honestly was never a consumer Christian. He just wasn't. And we talked about that a little bit last Sunday, that consumer Christians get their nose out of joint really fast. They come to church because it's all about them. But my father-in-law, that was never the case. During the revivals in 1972-73 in Saskatoon, he was the first one there to set up chairs. He would be there in the afterglow meetings till midnight. And then he'd go to work the next day. My father-in-law loved the church and he loved what Jesus was doing. And he loved to see the bride of Christ thrive. He loved to see the bride of Christ thrive. Last week we addressed a few issues of what COVID has done to polarize people to keep the church at a distance. And we talked about fear, we talked about anger, we talked about apathy. Today I want to talk about what happens when we meet together as a church, when we physically come together. Now, don't get me wrong, what we were doing through Zoom and online, it worked. It was sufficient. It was to help get the COVID numbers flattened so it didn't overwhelm our medical system. And yes, I know the death rate isn't that high. We can go into all that kind of stuff. But I want to say that it worked. But I want to be blunt and honest, it was not ideal. It robbed us of so much, of being able to sit in the front pew when your heart is aching because you've just lost somebody you care about. And to hear you guys sing the truths of scriptures, to feel the energy. And it's not energy just coming from you. The presence of Jesus is here. And that is incredible. And I want to talk about what happens when we meet. And I'm going to keep it limited just down to a few things because of time. So point number one, listen carefully. When the church meets, God is with us. When the church meets, God is with us. I'm not saying he isn't with you when you're on your knees in prayer at home. But I believe there's a dynamic that happens, a little different dimension that happens when we come together and meet and pray. There's something different that goes on. When we come together, now listen to this scripture in Matthew 18, 19. It says, this is Jesus' words, again, truly, I tell you, and this is a familiar verse, if two of you agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Here comes kind of the catch. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Did you hear that? Where two or three gather in my name. So yes, you can meet in homes. The early church had to do that. Oh, by the way, archaeology has dug up some of those early homes. 
and they could seat over 100 people in their, in their living rooms. In uh, Cuba, a lot of our Alliance churches, it's an underground church, and a lot of our Alliance churches owned by the pastors, their houses, they can seat 50 to 75 people. So I'm okay with the two or three things, just a few. But if you're reaching out, if you're being the church, you're going to have, if you're doing house church, you're watching us online, whatever it might be, uh, your house church is going to grow and it's going to spread and make other house churches. Because there is something important we need to understand that when two or three of us gather together, he is there in our midst. Think about Jesus' ministry. If Christianity was a singular event, in other words, Jesus just worked with you on your own, you could just sit at home and, and not worry about ever seeing other Christians or other people, then why is it that he gathered 12 around him? Oh, yes, I know he had the one whom he loved, and there was the three that he especially singled out. But for the most part, when he was doing, and I'll say church, whether it's a sermon on the mount or whatever it might be, when he's teaching and broadcasting, whatever... The 12 were there, and more were around, and, and God's power was manifest. And the scriptures are clear. It was manifest to show that God was there. And it happened when Jesus had people gathered together. So when we come together, two or three of us are gathered together, his presence is in our midst. So having just prepared the sermon, sitting on the pew up there, hearing you guys sing, I sat there and went, Jesus, are you here? What do you think the answer is? Absolutely, he's here. I mean, that's what broke me into tears. I could just picture him walking through the aisles. I could see the Holy Spirit resting upon my heart and your hearts. Uh, the songs were just so incredible. And again, being online, it worked. It sufficed, but it's not ideal. And honestly, if you want answered prayer, if you're struggling with a prayer that you've been praying for a long time all on your own, gather together at the church and pray. Where two or three agree, and two or three are together, he will be in our midst, and he will hear our prayers, and he will answer them. Do you understand the truth? Point number two, moving right along. You know we can meet Jesus by coming to church? Point number two, when the church meets and prays, we are an incense to God. Oh, it's kind of funny. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Can you guys control the smoke still right now? I meant to ask you earlier. Can you just turn it on for a second? It's the closest thing to incense I have. So we'll see if they can turn on the smoke. Oh, maybe not. Oh, there it comes. Okay, this is setting up the scene for you for the scripture passage, okay? So here comes the incense. You got that? Now listen to Revelation 5.8. Oh, by the way, what the temple that was created in Jerusalem was a copy of the temple in heaven. It was a copy of the temple in heaven. And a lot of the things they went through, the, and, and by the way, the, the Jewish temple had gold inlay, it had uh, beautiful acoustics, they had singing, they had incense, uh, they would have had all sorts of beautiful colors that they displayed and put up. So if you think we should be minimalist and not do anything to distract, you're not reading the scripture. So here, you got the incense going on, Revelation 5.8. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, now that was Jesus taking the scroll, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. This is a worship service going on. Each one had a harp, 
Well, if you think we shouldn't do instruments, read the scriptures. And they were holding, listen to this, bolden bowls full of incense. Now, you can almost imagine it, eh, with that happening. No, that's electronic. But, you know, you got bowls here and incense is kind of spilling over the sides. Which, the scripture says, are the prayers of God's people. Which the scripture says are the prayers of God's people. When we come together, friends, he is in our midst. When we pray, it is an aroma in the Holy of Holies, in the temple of God. It is part of the happenings that go on in the heavens. I mean, it's a heaven happening here on earth. And it is incredible when God's people come together. When we pray, when we sing, it is unbelievable. It literally fills up the bowls in heaven. And God, for whatever reason, I think it's an inspiration to him. It's that two or three gathered together. He's in our midst. He's going to hear us. What we do together literally affects what goes on in heaven. What we do literally affects what's going on in heaven. Before the throne of him who created everything. Our prayers are the atmosphere before God. They are inspiration. And you go, well, does God need to be inspired? Can you imagine? I mean, I get inspired by watching my daughter sing. I mean, I just, during that last song, I, I wanted to turn around and say, could you guys be quiet? I just want to hear her. You're, you're disrupting my daughter singing. When God looks down on you and me, his children, I'm sure he's moved to tears when he sees the prayers and incense wafting up. I am convinced he's moved to tears. When the church comes together, it's unbelievable and incredible. Now, years ago, now this is, oh my goodness, I think 20 years ago, I was, I was in a small country church in Saskatchewan. Had a guy come visit me in my office. He had some concerns. And he sat with me and he says, I don't like the translation you're using of the Bible. And I said, okay. I said, let's go through it. Let's talk about it. And uh, in the end of the day, he said, because you're going to keep preaching from a translation that's not authorized, I'm leaving the church. I walked out to the car with him. And uh, I, I give this as a God moment because I'm usually not this forthright. But I looked at him and I said, let me give you a warning. You're trying to protect the holiness and the sacredness of Scripture, and for that, hats off to you. But I said, walking away from the church, you're going to become bankrupt in your faith and your children are not going to follow the Lord. I said, I, I hope I'm wrong. He goes, oh, you're absolutely wrong. We're going to keep reading our Bible at home. We're going to be praying. It's going to be good. Ten years later, I was asked to do a funeral for a guy. It was his uncle in the church that I had once pastored. After the funeral, he pulled me aside. With tears in his eyes, he said, you were right. And I said, I was right about, I'd even forgotten about what I said. He said, you warned me. I would be bankrupt in my faith and my kids would walk away from the Lord. And he said, honestly, I'm bankrupt. I don't even read that scripture that I thought was so holy anymore. I don't pray. All of my kids have walked away from the Lord. Friends, the church is a sacred place. The church is an important place. The church is a place where, well, we're accountable. 
uh, we're inspiring to each other. I mean, that's all great stuff. But honestly, it's where the presence of God meets. He's literally here right now because we're meeting together. Final point number three. You may or may not be aware that when the church meets together, Jesus is with us in power. You've heard me say that lots of organizations meet together. And you might even say they're powerful or they're inspiring, but there is something unique about the church because when we meet together, Jesus is in our midst. Now, I want you to go to Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. It's a great commission passage, and I know you'll read it, and you'll say, well, this isn't really talking about the church, but I kept reading it over and over and over and over, and I kept seeing the church in this. And I think you'll see why. It doesn't say when the church meets together, but listen to this. Therefore, now he's just said lots of really cool stuff. Therefore, go and make disciples, plural, like Jesus. He had the 12. They went and did ministry together. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, what was Jesus' example? He had 12 that he taught intimately. He had big, large gatherings that he taught together. And teaching them everything I have commanded you. Now, listen to this. And surely I am with you always. And surely I am... This had two or three are gathered together and he is in our midst. And he will hear our prayers. And listen to this. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. He said, all authority... And power, in the previous verse, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. His power is manifest when two or three of us gather together. And our meetings aren't just, sometimes they feel like that, depending where your heart and soul's at. But I mean, today, my heart and soul is very receptive because of the sorrow that I feel. And I can feel him walking in our midst. And I beg you and I, I ask you, can you come to church? And again, don't get me wrong. Some of you have good reasons to stay away. But can I ask you, it's a beautiful place here. Uh, what's your response been, being at church? Do you like it? Yeah. Just clap. Years ago, my family, and I'll finish with this story and one little scripture to end with. Years ago, my family was in Penticton. My kids were little. And we rented one of those four-pedal bikes. Anybody ever done that? Now, my kids were little, so it was mostly a one-pedal bike. But it had a couple of seats on the front for the extra two because there's four kids and my wife and I. And I can remember when we started off, I was pretty much the only one pedaling. And I turned to my wife and I said, do you mind helping me out here a little bit? So she did. She put her little, I think she was a stick back then, 120 pounds or something. And so she put her, and I turned to my oldest son, Brian, and I said, hey, do you mind helping out a little bit more? And it got easier. And it got so good. And then Shaylin was on one of the others. She was the next kid. And it suddenly we were, I was actually enjoying myself a lot riding this bike. Why? Because we were together and we were all working together and something was happening. Now add the Jesus factor to that. Now, Jesus says, go and make disciples. 
and teach them. So Jesus is talking about movement. He's not talking about just us sitting around with our arms up going, oh God, you're so beautiful and we're supposed to do that. But he says, go and do these things. And I will be with you. My power is going to be manifest in you. When the church is the church, when the church is actually active and doing what the church, you know what's excited me more than anything else in the last week. This has just thrilled me beyond thrill. You, if you're doing a backyard Bible club this week, thank you, thank you, thank you. I heard 150 kids were registered. Well, normally we have 300, but 150 kids in COVID-19 times are coming to your backyards. Your neighbors will be identifying you as a follower of Christ now. Doesn't that scare you to death? Now you actually have to start acting like one. Let me tell you, just start praying. Holy Spirit, fill me and let me get over the anger when I see them doing stuff that just drives me crazy. And start loving on them. Invite their God. I am so thrilled. As a pastor, and you think I'm thrilled? I know Jesus is here in our midst. You are going out and being the church. And his power, all authority has been given to me, Jesus said. And his power is going to be with you and on you. And the church is going to see the gates of hell being pushed back. And we need to pray. We need to pray together. We need to come together and pray. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Uh, together, we could say it's a club. Together doing is a team that's moving. But together moving in Jesus with his power, with his presence, is power. It's not just inspiration, it's power. And when we come together as a church, it is power. It is unbelievable. It is moving. And when you stop coming to church, when you put churches, I'll go there if there's nothing better to do, and you go, oh, I never do that. And I will ask some people, how often do you get to church? Well, once a month. And I go, well, what else are you doing? Well, I had a hockey game. I needed to sleep in. I, was, I just go, man, do you realize what you're missing at church? The presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, where two or three are gathered, where the church is being the church and doing what the church does. Last week, we looked at a warning in Hebrews, not to neglect the meeting together of the church. And there's dozens, if not hundreds of reasons why we should meet together. But it's not about the legalism of coming here. It's about the power of God. It's about his presence. Did you know a cord of three strands is not easily broken? Do you know that scripture from Ecclesiastes 4.12? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And you probably all know, have you ever looked at a rope lately? They could just make one big fat cord... It's about, let's say it's 10 strong. If they take three smaller cords, that would be the thickness of that other cord. Did you know it multiplies the strength by over 10 or 20%? When three people are together, there is power. The imagery, this is often used at weddings, and I will often share that, you know, when you've got a husband and a wife, there's two, they're going to be strong. Bring in the presence of God, and you've got a cord of three strands. It's not easily broken. Friend, the church is something incredible. And there's been so much disparaging of the church. Our individualism has said, I don't need the church. And I want to tell you, we need each other and we need the church. The church is God's vessel. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And the church is not a building. Don't get me wrong. The church is you. And coming together today, this has been powerful. This has been unbelievable. Are you with me?
let's keep meeting together. When it's safe, and who knows, we could have an outbreak and we'll get shut down, we'll go online again, we'll do Zoom, we'll meet in backyards, whatever we need to do. But the church is something that God designed to come together. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, as we end today's service, oh God, would you let these thoughts and these ideas just kind of get into our minds, into our souls. As we think about the incense, just like the smoke behind me as it was coming out of the little machine and, and thinking the atmosphere that that creates, especially in the heavenlies. Oh God, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies where, where there's these bowls with the elders holding the bowls and coming out of the bowls, spilling out of the bowls is this beautiful aroma, this beautiful smoke that I know, God, you're looking at and it's inspiration to you. And your word is clear where two or three are gathered together. You are in our midst. It is really clear in scripture that when we go about and be the church, when we meet together, when we go out and do uh, backyard clubs and be the church, your power, your presence is with us. Oh God, forgive us for being consumers. Forgive us for being passive. We want to roll up our sleeves like my father-in-law Peter Harder did and we're going to be on our knees. I know the guy. Even up until three years ago, into his 90s, he'd be a prayer meeting at the Seven Oaks Alliance Church early in the morning and he'd be praying with two or three other people because he believed in prayer. He believed in the church and it shows God in his children. And I just pray God, it's never too late for any of us, even at my age. It's never too late to ramp it up, to understand it, to love you, Jesus, to get into uh, a regular rhythm with hearing your voice and speaking to you. And it's never too late to get connected in the church. And oh God, I look with excitement over next week's sermon and the sermon after that as we delve even a little bit deeper how you have put the church together, how you've designed the parts of it, that we are all part of this body and some are hands, feet, arms, limbs, eyes, nose, ears. We're all different. We're all very unique. And oh God, I think sometimes our denomination, we, we've divided up into ears and we've divided up into feet. Oh God, let us come together and, and respect each other and our differences and our passion together for Christ. Oh God, you have ordained and blessed the church. And oh God, would we be a church that you are the head of, you are leading us. We're not trying to manufacture anything like smoke or anything. We are truly manufacturing what you, God, have ordained the church to be, going and making disciples and teaching them to be mature followers of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Would you please stand with me? Now we, because of time and uh, uh, all sorts of other reasons, we aren't gonna be closing in a song, and believe you me, it just about kills me to not be able to do that. But just want you to kind of sit there and, I want you to soak this verse in. I say it for 12 years, almost every Sunday. And there's so much truth to it. Just listen. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Amen? Amen. Go in peace.